Herald of Steel beckons. War on the horizon. Chaos reigns supreme. But who will save us? Beckons of the Herald of Steel is a 5th edition homebrew campaign. It is a high fantasy and old school flavored campaign run by me, the young Rognard, and my friends. Let's meet those friends now. I am Anthony Santiago, and I'm playing Norhill Hammerstone, Dwarven Fighter. I'm Jared, and I'll be playing Jarzak, the Orc Warlock. I'm Ryan, and I'm going to be playing Klika, the Goblin Sorcerer. I'm Veronica. I'll be playing Anton, the Human Cleric. While many prophecies are written, our story has yet to be completed. Follow us into adventure. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. It is I, Grognar the Young, the Young Grognar, kicking it live with another episode of the Beckons of the Herald of Steel podcast with the, oh, no, damn it! Every time I try to go fast, I fucking trip and fall. Well, the adventure is the Lord's, okay, and the quest is salvation. Our party uh, made quite a boom in the last episode, a bit of a, a fiery, uh, fiery, uh, Anton cast fire. <laughs> it killed a lot of things. You got him. Um, but the party have made it pretty well deep into the Hall of Silver, and they are looking for some friends. Uh, Norhill, however, is hoping now to probably go see the... Uh, the, uh, you were looking to go where now? You weren't going to the mines, right? No, to the Hall of the Flame? Yeah, the Atrium of the Flame there. Yeah. yeah. All right. And so you guys having just demolished uh, a large series of the guards who had come running to come see what was going on at the little dwarfish temple to Moradin, uh, you guys had skirted and gone down one of the main halls hoping to get to the Atrium of the Flame. So... Uh, the path there is going to take you about 30 to 40 minutes of just jogging around these large... Oh, you were going to say days? I really did. I was like, okay. <laughs> All right. Month, a month to a month and a half to get through the Dwarven Underground. They've been busy. Holy shit. Can we do Can we do that ding ding song then? As we're just like parading down the hall, does it ding ding? Ding 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 ding. <laughs> Well, I, I will say half the members of the party just did their head bobbing back and forth in tune with it. And I'm, I'm not going to say which two members it was, but I think everybody knows who it was. Um, so the pathway on the way there, can you guys describe how you'd like to travel? Because you're going to be going through not really like a bustling district, but it's definitely a district that used to be like for business and guild work and stuff like that. Um, Norhill's Brewery is actually down this way as well. <sighs> Kind of cool. Only kind of. point, bro. Uh, Norhill is going to suggest that we try to take the long way around uh, uh, to avoid any areas of you know, main traffic that the Drugar might be using to move through the district. Okay. Um, so, choosing to take the longer route and take the safer route here, could I get a perception check? Oh, yeah, baby. That's a three. <laughs> 16. 19. Damn. Don't worry, guys. I'm proficient with this one. Uh, not natural 20. 
Click is perceiving two things right now. One, good roll. Norhill seems upset. Two, there's a lot of dust. Wait, wait, is it like dark? Can I see? I mean, I imagine you guys are using the light spell when you know that there's nobody around, but at the okay. same time, I, I mean, you probably want to tell me how you're going to do that. That's a very good point. Yeah, because I just realized I haven't been able to see, so I'm like, can I set my lantern on like a dim mood? Is that a thing? <laughs> no, you cannot set it on. Right, we can set up like a rope so you can hang on to Okay. It'll be like it'll be like a uh, wakeboarding. You'll just be like sliding, taking turns extra wide, and like dinking into buildings and shit. <laughs> yeah, we'll have Kleeka hold the other end, so it's always pulling you down towards the ground. <laughs> no, I mean, we can say that you're using the lantern at a very dim setting. That way, you can like see around your feet. But yeah, okay. And, then and so the times where we have to turn the lantern off, Kleeka will hold your hand and guide you through it. Okay. Okay. So would that the uh, party make it into, again, that district I was talking about, and you choose to take the widest way around, connecting over to the main stairway that leads up to the altar, the uh, atrium of the flame. I don't know why I want to say the altar of the flame, but the atrium. Uh, but going through here and passing by the, uh, there's this one building in the center of this kind of elbow-shaped district that is this like big octagonal building that has sort of like four main entrances to it on the bottom floor, but it rises up like three stories and domes at the top. And inside is kind of like the equivalent of like a dwarvish guild hall food court kind of thing where like all the businesses and all the guilds are kind of open to one another. And a lot of these places kind of work amongst themselves and like work once, you know what I mean? Alongside everybody. And so uh traveling around this far away you can see inside of here that uh these places have been well ransacked and most of the tools uh inside have been like just scavenged and taken not in a way that looks like some black friday nonsense or anything like that instead it looks more like things were just taken from shelves and whatnot like the place is just vacant you know um and as you guys continue along this way and pass by the theater which is like this sort of open descending kind of Greek style like amphitheater that goes down into the into the lower recess with a large stage. Um, you guys can see that uh, there's a few different like apartment complexes kind of set up like the uh, the ones you had seen in the last area. And with the perception check that you guys had, except for Klika, you can tell that a lot of these places have like clotheslines set up and some like clothing still hung up on them. And with the perception check, you said 20 jars, Zach? Yeah, not Nat. One of the these shirts look like still damp, like it looks like they're drying and they're wet, and it looks like there's enough of them set up that like there are just functioning families down here at this point, and there's still like refuse being gathered in like small waste bins and whatnot. And you guys can see children's toys have been kind of stacked and bundled in corners between the building's crevices, and so for all intents and purposes, it looks like this place had just been vacated like five minutes ago, maybe. Or maybe, like, people, I don't know. It just looks very well lived in. Uh, what was the last show that was going on in the amphitheater? Uh, looking down at it, the stage itself looks pretty bare and very, like, uh, how do I want to say it? It looks very empty in the direct middle of it. But to the sides, there seems to be a bunch of, like, uh, like red cotton that's been kind of like bound up like wool piles that almost look like like big bushy bales of like foam and and redness as if perhaps this was one of the tellings of the stories of like barbarians crossing the sea and coming to these lands you know what i mean i have a 
I have a Ronnie question. Oh, no. Uh-oh. Oh, God. <laughs> it's about cantrips. <laughs> and that no, is no, no, where no. we're going to end the show. <laughs> <laughs> no, it just occurs to me, like, if there's families in there, were they, like, regular dwarf families? Or were they, like, Dorger families? And I just realized, like, do Dorger have families? <laughs> <laughs> you just had to ask, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. The evil what, one. What... <laughs> What is their society if the answer is no to that? <laughs> They're all made out of mud. They're just pissed off rocks. They just spring forth from discarded beard clippings of disgraced dwarves. Is that where Dwarger come from? It sounds Fully like, formed? It started to sound like a German folktale all of a sudden. Yeah. It's like when a dwarf is disgraced and his beard is shaved, the Dwarger bursts forth fully formed. They hate the dwarves. <laughs> so you're oh, in amphitheater with that? <laughs> but um, judging by this question of who lives in these places, uh, Norhill, you can smell very clearly the smell of like, you know, I brought up Germans already, but like the idea, it's almost like a, like a, a sausage wrapped in like a, like a pretzeled bread. And this is kind of like a, germ, germ, uh, a dwarvish staple. Yeah, German staple. A dwarvish staple. Or it's just like a spiced bread with a spiced sausage in it. And it's just kind of all oven cooked that way. And you can still smell that particular smell kind of hanging in the air of like burnt butter with that. So somebody had cooked some pile of these up in the past like eight hours or so. Dan, I'm so- going to give you a chance to re-record that and use Hot Pickle Tuesday. A joke we established many episodes ago. Ah, yes. And as you may notice from looking down to your Dwarvish Sundial watch down here in the dark... It's Hot Pickle Tuesday, as you can see, many <laughs> discarded barrels of hot pickle juice just dangling about in the alleyway. And only dwarves would eat such a thing, not those smelly Duergar. Uh, so with that and Jarzak seeing that the clothes were still damp, uh, he's just going to say, uh, uh, lights out, looks like we might have some something living up ahead. Gives a thumbs up and turns off his light. So what would you guys like to do now? Just kind of stay and investigate? Like hang out and listen in? Norhill's uh, going to go try to knock on some doors, see if there's anybody still here. Okay. So Norhill goes over and starts knocking on the doors. Um, nobody answers any of them. But the closer you get to these buildings and the more you get into these little neighborhoods, the more you notice that like, yeah, there's just like the smell of decent dwarvish food, like typical dwarvish cooking going on in here. Almost to the point that you think like, it doesn't seem like anything is going on. They're just playing a big elaborate game of hide and seek. Like the toys are still out. There's a bunch of food still out. There's like cracked casks in the alleyway from like people drinking and like having a nice weekend party out here. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's just like, they're all just kind of left. And when I say they just kind of left, I mean like some things like, again, like the toys are put away. You know, the stuff that's in the hall in the, this alleyway doesn't look irregularly like disrupted or anything like that. And so as you knock around at these places, nobody seems to answer. And as you shake at some of the doors, the doors don't even open. Somebody locked them from the other side. Uh, so Noro kind of scratches his head. Where could everybody have gone? It seems like they just packed up and left at a moment's notice. Um, well... I don't think the next showing at the amphitheater is for a couple hours, so they're not there. 
But this is a good thing, isn't it, Norhill? This means that the Herald of Steel didn't get to everybody. Yeah, we still have the theater. <laughs> Sorry. What oh. is a city without the arts? I was going to say, I couldn't help myself. Yeah, yes, you're right about that, but I'm concerned about where they've gone. They can't have been gone for long. Did you smell the cooking? It's still fresh. Um, maybe try saying something really dwarfy so they know you're not a bad guy. Uh, so Norhill's going to go down and stand like in the amphitheater because uh, okay. I imagine that'll give him the most, you know, like natural echo, and um, uh, just shout in uh, dwarvish. It's all right to come out. My companions and I mean you no harm. We are not with the dragon. In fact, we've come from outside. Okay, can you roll me a perception check when you come down there? Are, are you saying you go down into the amphitheater or you? Yeah. Stand at the okay. Yeah, because yeah, it's you know. Echo. Yeah. Okay. Perception check, you said. Yeah. Seventeen. Okay, so you walk down there, and one thing you do notice when you go down there, again, kind of like what was pointed out to Klika, is that all that foam stuff is kind of pushed out of the way of this little lowering compartment, like the on the stage. There's like that main platform that kind of lowers in. But it's like made painfully apparent that this thing has been closed, but in a way that's slightly still ajar. And as you yell out, it doesn't seem like anybody notices at all. And this echoes like a lot throughout this whole place to the point that everybody else outside of the amphitheater hears this echoing and it reverberates like through the whole, like this whole quarter. I think it gives Norhill a big thumbs up. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, I'm so sorry. I missed what uh, what exactly was left ajar. You know how there's like on the, like on on stages they'll have like the false floor, and it's kind of like that little galley floor that opens up. It looks like it's been kind of like left ajar, kind of like how some doors when they're off their hinges a little bit don't close right until you like shove it in hard. It's like that where it's like pushed in enough, but when you step on it, you feel it kind of clink shut further. Hmm. And Norhill's gonna absolutely just you know like uh, bend down and open it. Okay, and once you lift it up, you can see that there's a small pulley system on the side that can be like crank turned so that the platform below will lift up. Is there anything? Is you know, he's you know, gonna he's gonna like you know, actually you know, stick his head uh, down there? Is there anything like in particular, or just the pulley system? It looks like the lower stage system, as if there's a whole bunch of like random gear and stuff down here, like a bunch of stage props and whatnot. But the actual platform that rises up to be like, you know, the new bottom to the stage, uh, it does look like there's a large kind of cloaked over like bundle sitting on top of the uh, actual platform. The platform itself is probably only about 10 by 10 square. And this bundle does take up the majority of the space on it. Uh, he's going to go climb down and look at what exactly is the bundle. Well, you can't climb down so much as you'd have to lift it up. If you want to, you can get off the stage and go around through like the, the door in the back of the theater. Yeah, he'll do that. Okay. And so you waddle over to the far side over there, and it's locked. I think <laughs> at this point, Clink is going <laughs> to come down, seeing Norhill doing fun stuff on the stage. 
it just keeps getting stranger. It's just that they were just about to set up for a performance. Uh, there's even a bundle down on the pulley. I just can't see what it is. Well, why don't, why don't we just go and use the pulley to bring it up? Sure. I'm, I wasn't sure about uh, doing that, but it's probably best because the door is locked. Yeah, and Norhill's going to try to operate the pulley system. Okay. And so you go over there and start to pull it. And as it starts to get closer and closer, about 10 feet away from the top, you can see with greater detail, the cloak that's on top of this, it looks to be of like some of the finest fabric you've seen in a long, long time. Almost like, I don't like, again, like it's almost a treasure in itself. And as it gets closer and closer, you can hear it kind of jingling on the different cog wheel spokes, kind of like bumping the thing as it like chugga, chugga, chugga on its way up. You can hear like things kind of bouncing around on it, like the sound of things clinking back and forth on one another under this bundle. And finally, the thing reaches the top and it's flush with the rest of the stage. Right. Uh, so Norville's going to go over to, you said it was a cloak that was covering the bundle? Yeah, it's like a big giant piece of fabric. Like it's like a big tarp. So he's going to uh, pull off the tarp to reveal what's underneath. Okay. So it's just Klika and you over here? I guess I'll have to follow Klika because I can't see. Yeah, I mean, Klika, you're not so much follow as be guided by Klika. Yeah. <laughs> what about Jarzak? Uh, yeah, I'd, I would head down too. I, I said it before, but my mic was muted, so I was like, oh, I guess well, I don't. No. <laughs> <laughs> and so when you whip the, 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 the uh, tarp here back, uh, you, I would describe as probably going into some stage of a heart attack, some stage of denial, some stage of like immediate, like all fears have been like smacked you in the face with a glimpse of reality as the cloak is pulled back. You see the namesake of your clan just sitting in a pile of treasures. You see the silver stein, the fabled stein of the dwarves of this hall. You see also the helm of clan Steelband, the horned helm with like the double, you know, corn spirals on the side of it, sitting beside it, a pile of gemstones the size of your fist, a large set of dwarvish plate mail, a kite shield, as well as a strange rod that's metal and it has a couple of dwarvish faces on either end of it. And as you whip this back, it's all been bundled and arranged almost as if designating like values and currencies here. But again, seeing all of it just sitting there underneath that, it just hits you with this wicked weird wall of like, like this is not possible that you've just somehow stumbled onto this pile of treasures. Again, the silver stein doesn't leave the hands of the, the leader of the clan. You know, the helm does not leave the head of the leader of the clan of steel. So uh, seeing that, you know, there's like, you know, a beat while Norhill just takes it all in. Uh, and then, you know, he's just going to, you know, collapse to hands and knees with yeah, an anguished cry of pain and surprise. And meeting that cry of anger, surprise, you guys can hear sort of rabble rousing coming in the distance, echoing down the chamber hallway from the far side from that atrium that we were talking about. And it sounds like a mob of people are coming this way. Granted, they're like a quarter mile away because they're so far away by the other side, but you guys are smack dab on the stage in the, uh, in the amphitheater here. So what would you like to do as it sounds like a couple hundred people might be coming this way? 
Uh, Anton, don't panic. Norhill just got really angry, excited about some stage props, I think. I don't know. I, I think He's okay. Uh, but it sounds like there are people coming, so maybe we want to hop in this and go back down with the stuff. Yeah? Yeah? Everyone? Yeah. <laughs> Let, let's go. <laughs> okay. And so with that, the party start to lower themselves back up. Uh, I mean, back down. Yeah, go farther up. We're just <laughs> go up. Um, but anyway. That's how dwarven theaters work, is everything comes from top down. It's like know? a push pop. That shit don't go back in. If you push too hard on that thing, you got a lot of ice cream you got to eat. Well, it just makes sense. You know, they're an underground society, so their stages would be built. So that's everyone disappears into the up because that's where you go when you die. I'm so confused. I hate <laughs> but with that, the uh, party lower themselves down. Did you want to go all the way down to the bottom, about 20 feet down, or did you want to stay about at like head level and close the thing off? So you've got the ability to kind of like peek out the slit. Yeah, uh, I would like to have the ability to peek out. Do we see anything down there when we start lowering ourselves? Again, it's just tons and tons of stage props. There's like a whole wooden ship down here. There's a bunch of like giant frost giant statues and mannequins that are like built to be like on stage, like Godzilla costumes, right? And so it's like, it's just tons of dwarvish theater stuff, right? There's a bunch of musical instruments down here as well. Like a full sized set of like timpani drums and whatnot, big giant horns. But it's just all the props are just laid out down here. It seems how, like what was on stage was just like bare minimum, like monologue performance stuff. How many dwarves fit in a frost giant outfit made by dwarves? Three. Okay. It's a three-man three job, I guess. Guys, we can just hide in the costumes. <laughs> just, just rumble out of there like frost giants. And, oh, <laughs> They're back! We killed them all last week! Like, killed them all last week! Meanwhile, Jarzak's half eaten by a frost giant down there. The one that was alive and hiding too. But anyway, um, so you guys lower yourselves down quietly and pull back the lid over you guys so that you can peek at least at a slit of an eyeball peeking out. But unfortunately, it only peeks to the backboard of the stage. So can I get like, uh, I'll let you do either an investigate or a perception check to be able to listen in. But it's going to be in Dwarvish. I can listen in. I mean, you can still roll for it just to get a general sense. Uh, I got a four on that investigation check. Okay. I got a 17 on mine. I got a 5. I got a 16. So Anton and Klika can hear very clearly that the the voices coming up there are definitely in Dwarvish. They don't sound like they're speaking the broken undercommon kind of Dwarvish that you heard from the Duergar. And they don't seem to be like angry. Like it almost seems like people are just kind of having rabble conversation. Like it's not angry mob sounds. It instead sounds like people just kind of going about their business. And then you can hear just a general low hum of rabble rousing as if like a city is all of a sudden coming back to life. You know what I mean? And I imagine Norhill couldn't hear anything because he was busy staring down at the namesake of his clan and the fucking helmet of the sister clan. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit much. And so... What would the party like to do now? Just kind of sit out here and wait? I mean, if 
Flinka doesn't feel the same hostility that she normally would from the Dwarger. I think she's going to really try and get Norhill's attention. And like um, Norhill, it, they don't have the same kind of accent as the Dwargar, but I don't know what they're saying, but it it doesn't seem like they're actively looking for us. I think they're just here. Um, would it be at all possible to raise uh, the, the it, it's a trapdoor, I imagine. Uh, would it be possible to raise it just enough, you know, to get a better look at you know, the wider outside? Yeah, I mean, we can say that you lift it enough that you can peek right, like diagonally to look up a little bit. Um, and so as you do that, uh, this is about like 10, 15 minutes after they first came in. I imagine there was a level of like fear waiting for whatever was going to happen. Definitely. And so as you peek your head up a little bit, you see one single dwarvish figure begin to come like marching down the stairway of the amphitheater stairs down towards where you guys are. Can you make an investigate or perception check, Norhill? Uh, I can get an eight on investigation. I mean, I'll give you advantage on this. 16. Okay. So the person who seems to be kind of bumping down the stairs, it, it smacks of a very strange feeling that you get when you see this. Cause it's like, out of all the things that have happened in the past, like 30 minutes, this is obviously not the strangest part, but you see what looks to be the prince of the hall of steel. And his name is Galdor Steelband. And he seems to be just kind of marching his way down here in what could be described as kind of like decent clothing. And he's just marching down the stairs and coming over to the stage. And he seems to be like having kind of a hurried pace. And so did you want to do anything? Uh, how sure do I feel that this is actually a Lord Galvor Steel band? It looks just like him. His line have a very, very well-known brow and he's got one of these big thumping eyebrows going on here big honking unibrow you can see it from afar just one big fuzzy caterpillar sitting on his fucking head <laughs> yep um, so norhill is going to open the door the rest of the way uh you know uh you know crawl out you know uh, hands visible and you know bow apologetically uh, as he approaches, uh, remember my apologies. Well, remember also, don't forget that you've lowered yourself far enough down that you're like at eye level with the actual floor of it. So, are you going to try to pull so yourself he, up? He like it clampers out, you know, very often. Okay. Okay. And with that, as soon as you leap out, he looks absolutely astonished and afraid now that he's made it up onto the stage, already scurrying and hurrying in this direction. And as you pop out, he like leaps up to full direct, like, <gasps> and he just looks back at you and he says, What are you doing in there? Shut up. I was hiding. I thought that it might be the Drogo coming. But now as I he, see that it's all right. You can tell he very visibly is looking you up and down at like your gear that you're wearing and all your armor and everything. And he says, how did you find that stuff? And then he looks over where you came in and he says, what were you doing in there? And by the way, this is all in Dwarvish. I'm hiding, I said. He says, why were you hiding in there? It seemed like a good hiding spot. And he looks from there to you again with eyes that move very slowly back towards you. And he says, who are you? Uh, Nor Norhill Hammerstone of the Silverstein Military, Rangers Division. 
And so with that, he gives you kind of like a look up and down for a second as if like, I don't know, as if hearing something he's never really heard before or something like so like strange to him that he looks you over and he says, you were leader of a squadron? I would have been. Of silver. And he kind of like looks back and forth over his shoulders and he says, where did you come from? Uh, Outside. Uh, after the doors were closed and uh, my squad found ourselves on the wrong side, I made my way north. And he says, you must come with me. Leave all that stuff in there. Did you come alone? No, I've made, met some good companions in my travels. The, sw- the door swings farther open. It's just, hello, hello, hello. <laughs> I'm Klika. <laughs> Got the little straw hat on and the cane. Jarzak will boost Klika up so she can just hop right up. In the frost giant costume. Yeah. But, um, with that, um, he says, well, get out of there and quick. We must go quickly. Uh, so Norhill switches to come and says, uh, come along up. It's the Lord of the Hall of Steel. Uh, he is urging us to come quickly. Now, mind you, this is the prince. He's got a daddy. So the, the prince of the Hall of Steel. I just want that very well known that this is not this is not daddy. And so with that, the party climb out, I imagine. Indeed. And so with that, he says, now keep quiet. The Duergar don't come into our homes and they don't bother us in our little home areas. But I, I come down here every once in a while just to make sure that everything is safe. And he says, he, Dwarvish, by the way. So he gets real close to him and says, hi, I'm Klika. And he looks like recoils from you as if in great disgust. And he says, keep this one from me. Uh, click out, please. Give the prince his space. Yeah, give him his space. Yeah, that just looks like, what the hell? <laughs> Not nice. And so with that, he says, I'm going to lead you into my apartment, okay? I have a decent enough space. One that I'm sure a man of your status would appreciate. And with that, he says, but keep quiet. The door guard do not bother us, but they will notice as he looks over at Jarzak and Anton, he says, people who are of a certain height, just keep low and follow me. Keep quiet and stay low. And as you guys go marching into this little section of the town again that you were in before with all the apartment buildings, it's filled with dwarvish adults and children and just people. And they are all very dirty and they are all very much so dirty from a long day at work. But it seems like everybody's just like, prepping for the weekend right now they're all just like making food and drinking ale in the alleyways and people see you and start to like raise eyebrows and they see Klika and Jarzak and Anton and they get far more confused but the prince uh starts leading you guys quickly to one of the nicer looking areas over here and he swings you through one of the doorways into the building and closes the door behind you guys and he says uh to Norhill he says I have a room upstairs it's very well furnished and defended and I think you and I need to have a talk. Of course. And he looks to the rest of the group with a, that same look of like almost disdain, kind of gross out. And he says, leave them here. Your retainers can wait. Did he say this in Dwarvish? Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> uh, uh, by your order, of course. Lead off. Um, and uh, let's turn to the party and then comment. Uh, please just wait here. Uh, make yourself comfortable. 
he says you guys are just really cool he doesn't want to ruin how how warm his room is with how cool you all are Man, i was thinking of pocketing you know that mug while we were down there i should have real <laughs> 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 namesake the history and heritage of his clan just pocketed. that's just why tax blades it and just melts it into magic so he can resummon it at any time it's internally bound to him that's that was just... the initial plan because I tossed Cleek up first and Anson can't see. <laughs> It'd be the perfect crime. Then you get the frosty bruise. Jarzak! <laughs> no more bug swill for me. But anyway. Yeah, okay, we'll, we'll hang out here. So you guys sit down and you can see on the table there are some, like, uh, what's what I'm looking for? There are some prepared, like, spiced potatoes that have been kind of sitting out. They're almost like potato crisps at this point, where they're more crunchy and, like, snacky, but they're filled with a lot of, like, hearty and warm spices. So there's, like, cinnamon and paprika and nutmeg kind of, like, adorning these things. So they're just, like, a nice, spicy, sweet little snack sitting on the table. The furniture all looks really nice and regal, and this place looks very comfortable. So sitting down is not a bad thing after climbing out of the sewers earlier. Um, and Norhill is led upstairs to what could be described as being kind of like an office space. And he stops you as he gets in, like goes up to the door when he says, I just need to know for certain, which branch were you from? You said, which branch of military and what rank? Uh, the, the, the Rangers. I was a sergeant. Ah, very well. And so he opens the door and he leads you in and he says, please go in and sit down. <laughs> Yeah, uh, he does. And so with that, he goes into the room and he sits down on the other side of this table here and he says, look, I'm about to have a very frank conversation with you and I need you to be a very understanding person with me. Of course. I have witnessed atrocities you would not understand or imagine. Most all of the dwarves here have died. I am the only last ranking member of military power here. And for that reason, I have assumed total control of the clans of silver and steel. You, however, being a military branch member of high ranking order, you have full ability to claim rank as leader, Lord of the Hall of Silver, for all members of the military order have died. You're probably wondering, how did I manage to survive? And he stands up, walks over to the corner of the room and pulls out a, a bottle of brandy and pours it into a small little glass, like octagonally shaped crystal. And he says, would you like some? Uh, no, I tried to drink on the job. And so that he takes a, he takes a, a little sip there and he says, <laughs> I pretended to be, He says, I pretended to be dead at the battle of the atrium of the flame. And I managed to get out of there alive. I snuck back out here and I pretended like I had some sort of, uh, some sort of an illness, an ailment that kept me from being a member of the military. All the dwarves here know my rank and none of the Duergar know anything about it. So someday when we manage to get our revenge or escape, I will have a great seat of power as he takes a nice hearty swill of it and goes, <sniffs> and he starts pouring himself another glass full and he says, well, until you came along and, now I guess there's room for both of us, as is the way of our people, he says over shoulder, looking back at you. True? Of course. Well, I guess that brings us to a very interesting point. Why did you come here? What is your plan? 
I had hoped to free our people from the Drogon and from the Herald of Steel. And so with that, he spits the brandy head in his mouth in like a quick spit take. And he says, you, you wish to save us from this place? Look around you. This is not that bad. I haven't had to do a single round of security. I haven't had to do any military work. He like slaps his belly on his girdle line. And he says, look, I can eat whatever I want whenever I want to. Sure, there's a bit of manual labor, but the hours are not that bad. We dig down in the lost mines, the mines we don't go into very often and just continue digging. They let us take breaks whenever we wish to. This is a great life, Norhill. Can I call you Norhill? The Droger allow this? Of course they did. I would have expected to find our people at war if any still lived. Well, I mean, there's not much we can do when we have no weapons, no armor. And he looks down at your waist and sees the war pick just dangling there. And he says, until you came along. So again, I have to ask the question, what is your plan here? For if you are seen with weapons, this might kind of ruin what we've got going on. Well, if there are enough to fight, we ought to fight. Failing that, there's passage out through the lower halls and into the old sewers. And we could evacuate the remaining dwarves through there. He lifts a very incredulous eyebrow and he says, escape through the sewers? Risk dying? Norhill, I don't understand which part of the mountain you've crawled out of and why you decided to come back. But if you think that this is all worth dying over, I'm afraid you're mistaken, sir. And I think all the dwarves who look to me as a proud and noble leader would agree that living this way is much better than taking the risk and dying. As slaves? I don't understand. You could call it slavery, but any economic system is for the slaves, if you ask me. I mean, why did you work before? To earn wages? So that you could pay for your property? Live comfortably amongst- My family and our people. (laughs) Yes, right. Of course. And he starts to kind of like wave his hands at you, like noticing this, this level of disgruntled action here. And he says, look, when my father died, I took his helm, I took his shield, and I took his armor, and I ran away with it. Because I knew- Someday, maybe I would have to do something about it, okay? And I took the Silver Stein as well. They died so that I could live. And I think you can even admit that you're happy to know that we, you and I, are both alive and breathing to this day. And their death was not in vain, for we have a chance. Of of course, I would never cast aspersions on the hard choices you made in that situation. The ancestors know I've made some hard choices myself. Good. But why? But we're alive now. Now it's time to take the next steps. Listen, I don't mean to say this in a way that makes me sound less of a dwarf, um, but I survived by my wit and my tact and not through the honor of dying the battle that they wanted me to die as, as destiny would wish me to. And I don't plan on dying that way right now. So I don't know which fight you're, you're referring to, but if you plan on doing anything that puts any of my people in harm's way, I'm going to stop you right now. I don't care which birthright you have or which right through military order you think you have. I, I don't care which right you have, but you are not going to endanger what I have here right now. 
I am Lord of the Hall of Still Steel. And as far as I see it, I could be the Hall of Silver as well. I have both birthrights down there. And don't think I didn't know what you were up to sneaking in there and looking it over. You're lucky I went down there at an itching feeling like a thief might be around. I had no idea, and I would never presume to take any of our people's great treasures for myself. And he... I only wish our people to be safe. My family, yours, every dwarf in the halls. That's why I think if you are not prepared to fight, we should leave. The path through the sewers is safe enough. Uh, I came through here. It's not guarded. It's not watched. As long as we can make it through the more populated halls, we'll be fine. And so with that, he just kind of like puts his hands on his hips, realizes he spills a little bit of his brandy and he refills the glass. And he looks over at you and he says, oh, sure. Yes. No, we're right. Good idea. And then we'll leave. We'll crawl out through the waste tunnels and then we'll go out to the plains and we'll beg for a home amongst the humans who didn't arrive. Oh, no, 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 that's right. They were too busy. No, no, no. We'll ask for help from, from, from the little people, the, the people of Quarrydale. Yes, the, the gnomes and the halflings who came to our aid yet again. Oh, that's right, Norhill. They didn't arrive to our aid as well. No, I forgot. We're going to bring a few hundred of our people without any means, any money, any skills, or anything like that. And we're just going to demand a comfortable refuge. I'm sure the Duragar won't mind when we all go missing, and I'm sure they won't take their armed forces to come find us. Norhill beat him up. And he says, perhaps you don't have what it takes for the position that you're in. And honestly, if you don't feel like you're of a great enough ability, perhaps you can step down. We can forget about this ranger business. And perhaps you came from across the ocean, a distant clan, here on vacation. And perhaps on a holiday, you found dire straits. Mistook the entrance for, or the, the waste tunnel for the entrance and- Pimp slap him. You sounds like a fuck you CEO. <laughs> you raise, raise very good points. I admit I hadn't thought about the logistics of leaving the halls. In that case, uh, we should fight. We can't allow the Druger and whatever monsters are being raised by the Herald of Steel to destroy not only our people, but all of the others. They're already besieging the lands of Emeroth. Uh, who knows when they'll spread out to the Isles even further south. And he says, you haven't the heart to be a leader with that kind of mentality. Having seen all of my family and all of my brothers and my father and my kin die, as I ran away from all of that and I snuck away safely, I knew that I had what it takes to be a true leader around here. There were fools, Norhill, dying for honor in the hall. An honorable death leaves you six feet under just like anybody else. The only difference is the one who comes back to fight another day. But I'm not fighting another day. And that's what separates me from the stupid. So... If your plan is to create trouble, I'm afraid I'm going to speak with the Duargar right away, and I'm going to tell them that you're here. I'm sure that the warlord himself from Cathdul would be very happy to know that there is an armed dwarf amongst the people who is looking to shake things up a bit. After all, as he takes another hearty swill from his brandy glass and puts it down on his desk, they've been so very gracious to us, and I'm not one to be indecent to my host. I don't think I can let you do that. And he says, then what are you going to do about it? Who do you think they're going to listen to? These dwarves only know me as, the, as a ruler. I am lord of the Hall of Steel. 
Perhaps you forgot that, Norhill. And perhaps I should start keeping you more in line about this. I, I, I'll tell them. I'll tell them you're treating with the enemy. I'll tell them the stakes that we truly face in this conflict. Sure. And argue with their full stomachs. Argue with their clean clothing. Argue with all the amenities that they've been granted. Do you think humans would have treated us this well? Do you think the gnomes would have given us the decency? These Dorgar keep us well fed and ask us to do one job for reasonable hours. That's it. Our children have toys, Norhill. We have, as he holds up his brandy glass, which is now empty, he says, we have the pleasures of life. You came here through a pile of filth and wished to drag our children through it, thinking that the salvation of peace and having a liberated death is worth more than a satisfied, comfortable life. That helped. I know for a fact that the other folk would treat us no more kindly. And yet, I don't think I'm ready to accept a life of slavery. We haven't lost yet while one true dwarf still draws breath in these halls. He says, Do you, are you trying to say that I'm less of a dwarf than you for not fighting? He says, sure, you can be the one dwarf with the breath left in them, and you will go out there and die like all the other dwarves like my father, like your father, and every other foolish dwarf who died fighting the battles that did not need to be fought. Sure, go ahead, die an honorable dwarf. Perhaps your friends downstairs would be better off without your foolish antics anyway. Not fighting is one thing. Choosing your battles is another thing entirely. Giving up is just the same as dying just without the honor. And he says, well, I think I chose my battle pretty properly now, didn't I? I think you've got your hands all over my goods down there, and you saw just exactly what I had managed to salvage from both the Lord's manners and from the battlefield. I think it's safe to say that I chose the battlefield, and I won. And if your dirty little pilfering hands come anywhere near my namesake or that silver stein, I'll cut those hands off. Salvage of plunder? Did you even try? Try what? To fight? Yes. Have you been to the atrium of the flame? Have you managed your way up there, you slinking rat? You have not seen the battlefield? <laughs> Fuck. Dunes of rust, my friend, as he pours another little bit of half glass of the brandy, and he says, dunes of rust. Oh, yes, we were prepared to do battle. The Dorgar came from every hall. We retreated into all the hidden rebuttals and all the different places to take on a full siege. We were ready. There was no way they could destroy us. But you know what we saw that day? A being of sheer steel rise from the ranks of the Duergar. And as he lifted his hands to the sky, our weapons became blistering hot and they fell to the ground with a bright red clamor. We couldn't hold our weapons. Many of the men died, fainting, dying, boiling in their own armor as their armor began to sear their skin. And as they fell to the ground, writhing and pulling their armor off. Do you think I was foolish then for running? Or maybe when their weapons turned to rust and the Duergar marched upon them, fighting sword and axe on fist. Do you think I was foolish then? When the very statues of gold and steel that adorn the atrium of the flame came to life, animated, and began to stomp the life out of our warriors, was I foolish then, Norhill? Was I not brave enough to die the death under the foot of a statue of Moradin? Perhaps that is the death that you wish but I'm not so stupid. I'm alive and I have all the treasures to show for it. 
call it pilfering if you will, but to the victor go the spoils. I offered you a hand in this and I allowed you to work alongside me. Perhaps we could have made a nice life here. They would have respected you. A sign of an older time, a comforting message that that good old dwarvish fighting spirit was still alive and well. And as all the children and all the elderly and all those who are not able-bodied enough to fight who live out there would look to you, you'd be comforted thinking one last strong dwarf was left here. So make your choice, Norhill. Go fight and die or stay here and be happy. Uh, uh, Norhill is uh, going to stand up and he is going to say, you sound an awful lot like another ruler who came into power <laughs> through circumstance and uh, denied the fight that Fuck you it. are, that you feel that you can't win because you can't see far enough to what's going to happen. Eventually, the Druger aren't going to be happy just letting you live. Uh, they hate our people and have for a long time. You're a, you're a liability, even if for now you're an asset. Well, I don't know what to tell you. Let me be an asset and I'll sit here drinking as he swishes his brandy around in his glass, spilling some on, his, on the floor. And he says, I'll stay here comfortable eating food prepared by all of the women of our society who'd care to be perhaps the lady of the Hall of Steel and Silver. Tell me, Norhill, do you have family here? I did. I hope I still do. Well, perhaps your issue's not with me, and maybe it's with some ghosts who might be lingering behind on the battlefield. Call me a fool all you want to, but I've come to terms with the dead, and perhaps you need to come to peace with it too. Who knows? Maybe you are going to amount to something. Maybe your death will not be in vain, but as far as I see it, we have work in a few hours, and I should get some rest. Good luck, Norhill. We could have been friends. We could have been more than that. For once in the history of our people, as he puts down his glass with a sharp smack, he says, perhaps for once, the halls of silver and steel could have been united, not divided with celebrations and with, with great hubbub in the fields and a constant rivalry. Perhaps we could have just united and been good friends. But I guess this is the way of our people, is it? A man of the silver stein and a man of the steel band. Perhaps we'll never see eye to eye on anything. Oh, well, be gone. Tell your friends to leave too. Sleep well, Prince Galdor, steel band. And Norville's gonna leave. He's like, wait, I said, I'm Lord, no. <laughs> okay, well, there's that, I guess. Clay is sitting down there like, you know, I'm really glad Norhill's getting to see his people again. I'm sure, I'm sure he's getting along so good. So we can eat all these, right? Because they'll bring more for Norhill, right? Um, yeah, probably. I mean, yeah. he's probably having like the good stuff up uh -oh. there. Yeah, true. Okay, we don't need to save any. Perfect. No. <laughs> Kligal's looking for hot pickles. Anton just looks at Norhill. He says, what happened? 
you won't fight. Do, do we know what the situation is? He has accepted himself and the rest of the two dwarves here to slavery under the Drogar. That's why they're allowed to continue to live here as if nothing was happening. Um, what did you say? I tried to convince him otherwise. He would not be. I think dwarves so easily took the knee to another race. Neither did I. Do we want to find your family? If they still live, they'll be here somewhere. May we do that? Anton just gets up and kind of just makes sure his lantern's a little bit lit and starts heading toward the door. Okay. And so with that, the group leave and head over to where Norhill's uh, family had the brewery set up in that guild quarter. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. And as you guys go walking over there and you see plenty of people kind of wandering around and as you pass by the amphitheater and head over towards that big giant building there, um, you people obviously notice you and start looking at you guys in a look of like, what the hell? But Norhill continuing on his merry way as he does, uh, this place is decently well lit, by the way, with all the people around, all the dwarves around. Like there are lanterns and stuff like that set up. So you don't need to worry about the light spells and all that. But um, once you head over to the brewery, you can tell from just the door itself that there are people inside talking and you can hear the voices and murmurings as if a group of people are in there just having a conversation or something like that. What would you like to do? Knock politely. Okay. And as you knock politely, the door swings open and that is where we're going to end it. Hey everybody, it's the Young Grognard here. I want to say thank you for listening to another episode of the podcast. If you have anything you'd like to tell me, any questions or concerns, shoot me a tweet over at YGrognard on Twitter, or send me an email at younggrognard at gmail.com. As always, keep it real, and more importantly, keep it dungeonous. Thanks. <laughs>